When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 422, yes, you are, of Sustainable Minimalists. This is a show about intentional an eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing my all-time favorite beverage, and that, of course, is wine. Yes, we're doing it. In 2023, the global wine market, it's valued at $333 billion. That number tells me that we're buying wine and we're buying lots of it. A survey by International Wines and Spirits Record reported that half of U.S. alcohol drinkers' purchasing behavior is influenced by a company's sustainability and environmental initiatives. So as global concerns about sustainability continue to grow, the consumer demand for those organic and sustainable and perhaps even biodynamic wines also continue to grow. Now, these buzzwords, organic, biodynamic, natural, and more, buzzwords by nature, they're confusing, and they're not interchangeable. So on today's show, we're breaking down the buzzwords, yes, but we're also getting real down and real dirty with absolutely everything you need to know about how to purchase your next bottle of vino like a conscious and informed consumer. So about me, real quick, this show's not about me, but let's talk about me for a minute. I alluded to it, but wine is my alcoholic beverage of choice, preferably red, especially if it's a cold day. But if the weather's warm, definitely some rosé, maybe a nice crisp white. I do indeed love wine, but I do not have refined tastes by any means. I'm also somewhat cheap. I'll pay about $13 for a bottle. I'll go up to $20 if it's a special occasion, but I'm no sommelier. (laughs) I'm not spending much more than that. And I'm telling you all this because researching for this episode drastically changed the way that I, going forward, am to buy and drink wine. And so my hope today is that I teach you something that you can take into your own life and share with the people you love. So whether you're an occasional drinker, a nightly wine connoisseur, maybe you're buying wine bottles for gifts this holiday season, I've got you covered. We're going to start today by talking about wine bottle labels. Then we're going to go into those additives that are in our wines. We will then transition into the buzzwords, the organic, the biodynamic, etc. And then we'll finish up in part four with some handy dandy takeaways that you could take to the wine store the next time you go. So let's talk about the labels first. If you 
have been listening to this show for a while, you've likely heard me give you the what I consider to be very good advice, which is to turn over your product, whether it be food, whether it be a beauty product, turn it over and look at the ingredients list. There is just simply, in my opinion, no substitute for having the knowledge to be able to read an ingredients list, okay? But if you know wine, you know, if you're going to turn over that bottle, there's no ingredients list to be found. And that's not just on wine. That's on all alcoholic beverages, your Bailey's Irish cream, your whatever brand tequila, whatever it is, there's no ingredients list. Have you ever wondered why? The reason is that alcoholic beverages are exempt from adding ingredient and nutrition labeling. Soda needs an ingredient label, but alcoholic beverages do not. That's because alcohol is regulated by the Tax Trade and Bureau, TTB, and not the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Interesting, right? So the next question you should be asking is, well, what's hidden in my wine bottle? And if you're saying, it's just grapes, there's nothing else in there, I would say, with respect, that's an incorrect assumption. There are about six dozen ingredients, or additives is a better word. There are six dozen additives that conventional winemakers are allowed to use in the process of creating wine, in the filtering, in the clarifying, in the purifying. These additives remove cloudiness. They remove undesirable odors and flavors. And while many additives are indeed safe and natural and have been used for hundreds of years, we've been making wine for centuries, other additives are synthetic. Synthetic meaning chemically derived in a lab. Now, winemakers are not required to list most of these additives. The exceptions to this rule being the fact that winemakers are required to list allergens like sulfites and a few specific added colors like yellow number five, let's say, on wine labels. But it is optional for these winemakers to list gluten and other major allergens and so many of the other six dozen additives that may very likely be in your bottle of wine. And now I should say here too, if you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound fair to me as the consumer. I would agree with you. It does not sound fair. How can I make an informed and conscious choice if I don't have all the information? Well, the European Union is enacting a mandatory ingredient and nutrition labeling regulation for wine beginning this month, December of 2023. And specifically, this mandate will require winemakers to state alcohol content, potential allergens, bottle size, and energy value on the label. The nutritional information and ingredients can be stored online and accessed via a QR code on the wine bottle. So if you see a wine bottle in your store, there's a QR code on it. Maybe it doesn't list all of the mandated items to list, but through the QR code, you can easily access that information as a consumer. And now there is some thought in the wine industry that because the European Union has come out with these regulations, the United States may soon follow suit due to public pressure. Now, there is more interest in appropriate wine labeling these days, and that's mostly because Millennials, essentially, they're more health conscious. 
They're more focused on transparency. And frankly, they are skeptical about what companies are doing (laughs) and what companies claim, right? There have been also some lawsuits against manufacturers who use egg whites. Yes, egg whites in wine. That can be a deadly allergy for some people. It also violates vegans' diets. And so if you were a vegan or if you had an egg allergy, either or, and you found out that your favorite bottle of wine had egg whites in it and it didn't say so anywhere on the bottle, you would either have a serious allergic reaction or you'd be really darn mad because this wine bottle, which you thought was benign, was violating your animal rights values. So there is more interest in labeling. If you are in the European Union, be on the lookout for those QR codes on your wine bottles. And if you're here in the U.S., keep your ear out. There's some public pressure mounting for ingredients labels on wine. Okay, so now let's transition into what is very likely in your bottle of wine that you don't know about precisely because there is no ingredients less. We're not going to go through all six dozen additives, but we are going to talk about a few of them. Let's remind ourselves what an additive is. An additive is any substance that's not normally consumed as a food by itself. It's not normally used as a typical ingredient in the food. It's extra. It's added in the manufacturing or the processing or the preparation or the packaging of the Food. And now, yes, I've mentioned a couple times, there are about six dozen additives that winemakers are allowed to use in all the processes that go into creating a bottle of wine the filtering, the clarifying, the purifying. And while many of these additives are indeed safe and yes, natural and yes, have been used for hundreds of years, others are made in the lab and may not be safe. So let's talk about tannins for a minute. We've likely heard the term tannins before. They're antioxidants called polyphenols. They're found in many plants, including grapes. Tannins are naturally present in all wines. The naturally present ones wouldn't be considered additives. But more tannins can be added to wine to create a drier and more bitter taste. So the extra tannins, that's considered an additive. What about sulfites? Sulfites get a lot of talk and interest on bottles. Preferably if a wine is sulfite-free, they will put that label front and center on their bottle. Sulfites are sulfur-based compounds. They naturally occur as a byproduct of yeast fermentation during the winemaking process. So again, the sulfites that naturally occur during fermentation, not an additive. But Sulfites are also sometimes added to wine to increase its shelf life, to ensure that the wine on the shelf in the store does not oxidize and turn into vinegar. So added sulfites are, of course, additive. Now, if you're wondering, by the way, conventional yeast production does require a lot of cooling energy and also lots of chemicals, ammonia, for example, for its cultivation. So conventional wine producers may also be using harsh chemicals like sulfuric acid and caustic soda to regulate the pH of their bottles. This, of course, infiltrates wastewater. And so organic wine producers, which we will talk about in the second part of today's show, but 
Organic winemakers replace these chemicals with more sustainable and organic alternatives, which is, of course, better for the planet. Now, we'll talk about all that later. Let's go back to additives for a minute. How about added colors, additives? We, If you listen to my recent episode on food additives to be concerned about, we talked about dyes. You're probably thinking to yourself, my wine doesn't have dye in it. It might. Mega purple is a dye additive that is quite controversial as an ingredient. It's made with concentrated grape juice extract, and it's commonly used to deepen the color of red wine. So like if you like a good hearty red, the you pour it in your glass and it looks a little transparent. Oh no. Winemakers have enhanced the color of that red wine by adding an additive, mega purple additive to be specific. Another additive, tartaric acid, that increases acidity. Calcium carbonate decreases acidity. Sugary grape concentrate, that helps the yeast to increase the alcohol content. And so my point here is that there are very likely countless additives in our bottles of wine that we simply don't know about because wine is not mandated to have an ingredients label. Now, at the end of wine production, so after the wine has been produced, a variety of additional additives can, of course, be, well, added, including those egg whites, those dairy products, that gelatin. These egg whites and dairy products and gelatin, they bind to the unwanted particles. They sink to the bottom where they can then all be removed, and they're all considered processing aids. Now, I want to talk about sulfites specifically in this section because sulfites get a lot of attention in the wine community. I did mention that some sulfites are naturally derived from the fermentation process. Natural sulfites, these are present in every single wine. However, the added sulfites, so they're added to the bottle, They preserve freshness and protect wine from oxidation. So again, your wine does not turn into vinegar while it's sitting on the shelf. I want to make clear the fact that all wine, whether it has added sulfites or not, contains sulfites. And all in all, sulfites help maintain the freshness and flavor of the wine while prolonging its shelf life. There are problems, however, particularly if you have allergies. Sulfites can and do aggravate asthma symptoms in about 3 to 10% of people suffering from asthma. Research does say, however, that there are other compounds in wine like histamines, flavonoids, and just the alcohol content in general that may also play a role in causing adverse effects on people with asthma. In addition to all of that, The FDA estimates that slightly less than 1% of the U.S. population has a sulfite allergy. So if you are allergic to sulfites, you might get hives, you might have trouble breathing within 30 minutes of sulfite exposure. And I should say here too, sulfites are talked about a lot in conversations about wine. However, wine typically has fewer sulfites than other foods like shrimp or dried fruits or even french fries. And so people tend to think that sulfites cause the headaches and the hangovers and all the other unpleasant side effects that come with drinking too much wine. 
However, in most cases, none of that is true. Just yesterday, I was reading the Washington Post, and new research finds that it's not the sulfites that give the red wine headaches. So if red wine gives you headaches, and I'm not talking about the day after you drink the red wine, that's called a hangover. I'm talking 30 minutes or so after you have your first sip. It's while you're drinking the red wine, you get a headache. If you suffer from that, Again, it's not the sulfites. New research suggests that the headache is due to the wine's quercetin. Quercetin is a compound that's found in a grape's skin. Quercetin absorbs ultraviolet light. It's like a natural sunscreen for grapes. And to my pronunciation police listeners out there, I may indeed, you don't like the way I say etc. You don't like this way I say and. I understand. I'm very likely pronouncing quercetin wrong. I'm just going to be upfront with that. But in the past, yes, sulfites have been blamed. The tannins have been blamed. The histamines have been blamed for this red wine hangover. But a team of researchers now, as of yesterday, believe that quercetin is the real culprit. If the grapes that went into your bottle of wine were grown in an area with a lot of sun, so full sun exposure, they're going to have higher levels of quercetin which may mean that you may indeed get that red wine headache. And that's because the quercetin basically slows down your body's natural process of digesting the wine you're drinking. Enter the headache. Now, as a general rule, cheaper wines have less quercetin because the grapes are not growing in a full sun region. That's a general rule, however. And so if you really suffer from the red wine headaches, perhaps you choose white wines instead, which of course have no skin. The skins are removed before the creation of the wine. You may even be okay with rosé. So don't blame the sulfites. Blame the quercetin for that red wine headache. Now, one more additive I want to discuss before we take our ad break. There are plenty of additives that can have negative effects on the environment. PVPP is one of the big ones. It is a microplastic. It's widely used in food and beverage industries. It's used most commonly to remove phenol components and odors. But once this microplastic is drained down the sink, it migrates into the food chain. It is forbidden in organic winemaking. However, conventional winemakers still are using PVPP. And so that's a perfect entryway into organic wine making. We'll talk about organic and biodynamic wines after a quick sponsor break. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love 
Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back. Today we're discussing everything you need to know before you buy that next bottle of wine. And before the break, we were talking about some of the six dozen additives that may very likely be lurking in your bottle of wine. Of course, many of them are not harmful, but some of them might be. Now we're on to the organic, biodynamic, natural wine distillation. Distinction. We're going to go through each one, one by one. And let's start with the organic certification first. If you don't know, now you know. Grapes are currently listed at number eight on the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen. The Dirty Dozen list, of course, lists the produce with the highest levels of pesticide residue. Grapes are listed at number eight on the Dirty Dozen. That means that grapes are a crop in which high levels of pesticides and herbicides are commonly used. So if you're buying a bunch of grapes at your grocery store, it's on the dirty dozen. If you have extra money, you should probably buy the organic grapes. But what does it mean for wine? Enter organic wine. According to the USDA, before wine can be certified as organic, both the growing of the grapes and their conversion to wine must be certified. This includes making sure that the grapes are grown without the synthetic fertilizers and in a manner that protects the environment and preserves the soil. Other agricultural ingredients that go into the wine, like the yeast, must also be certified organic. Now, non-agricultural ingredients must be specifically allowed on the national list of allowed and prohibited substances and cannot exceed 5% of the total product. Now, while wine, all wine, whether it's organic or not, while wine naturally produces some sulfur dioxide, aka sulfites, sulfites cannot be added to any organic wine. As we mentioned in part one, sulfites are commonly added to wines but not organic ones. The organic certification is different from wines that are sold with the, quote, made with organic grapes label. Made with organic grapes wines have different requirements than organic wines. When a wine is labeled as being made with organic grapes, 
100% of those grapes used must be organic, but the other ingredients like the yeast does not need to be organic and sulfites may be added. So in the wine conversation, in any conversation about food, organic tends to be better for the planet. Pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, those synthetic compounds are terrible for our soil and our water. And so taking human health, our own personal health, out of the equation for a minute, if you have a little bit extra money, buying organic wine, certified organic wine, buying certified organic produce or food at the supermarket tends to be a more informed purchase when it comes to caring for the planet. Okay, so that's organic wine. Now let's move on to biodynamic wine. You've heard the word. I'm willing to bet very few of you actually know what it means. I didn't know exactly what it means. I'm going to blow your mind. (laughs) Biodynamic winemaking is a practice that goes back for nearly a century. And unlike organic winemaking, where depending on the country that the wine is created in, you have slightly different rules, biodynamic wines The rules are the same no matter where you are producing it on the planet. So biodynamic agriculture started in the 1920s by Austrian philosopher Rudolf Steiner. Steiner was asked by German farmers to address the first negative impacts of industrialized farming. The farmers were worried about the continued fertility of the soil in the wake of using nitrogen fertilizers. Biodynamic winemaking did not originally start with wine, but biodynamics represent a method of farming that's a little bit woo-woo, okay? Woo-woo is my word for not based in science. Biodynamic farming is based around a specific astronomic calendar. Each day coincides with one of the elements, earth, fire, air, water. Days are organized by fruit days preferable for grape harvesting, and root days for pruning, and leaf days for watering, and flower days where the vineyard should be left untouched. Now, biodynamic practices also provide specific instruction for fertilization preparations made from herbs, mineral substances, and animal manures that are turned into field sprays and compost. Okay, so what does all this mean? (laughs) It means that, yes, biodynamic farms are criticized for being quite woo-woo, not based in science. Following an astronomic calendar sounds interesting, doesn't it? But the point here is that it's important to remember that whether you think it's woo-woo or not, biodynamic farms operate on a much smaller scale than commercial farms, and they are considered to be self-contained entities. For example, the fertilizers that are created, they're created with ingredients like manure that's sourced from their own farm. And livestock feed largely comes from their own farm as well. And so the the simple fact that biodynamic farms are operating on the small scale, that is a more sustainable and less environmentally destructive practice than the industrialized commercial farm. So that alone makes biodynamic farming way more eco-friendly. Smaller producers, whether they're biodynamic or not, they have more control over their vineyards, the winemaking process, and that 
all makes it easier for them to avoid the use of pesticides and additives. However, the larger companies, they may rely heavily on the additives and the aids as part of their production protocol because they're making wine in such high quantities that they don't have the ability to inspect all of the grapes for quality. Okay. So woo-woo or not, biodynamic winemaking has plenty of environmental benefits. And so now let's talk about category number three, which is, of course, the natural wine. If, of course, you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that in the personal care products, in food, the natural label means nothing. In wine, in the wine community, natural wine means that the winemaker pursues as little intervention as possible in the winemaking process. There's no mechanical separation. There's no filtration process, let's say. It has less to do with the farming and more to do with what goes on in the wine cellar. It means limiting additives and letting the wine ferment and age naturally. Now, the commonly agreed upon definition of low intervention or natural wines is it's one that's fermented spontaneously with native yeast. These wines are largely unmanipulated. They contain only trace amounts, so very little amounts of added sulfite. Now, natural wines, because they're not filtered, they may contain particulates. They may appear cloudy. There may be dissolved solids that remain suspended in the liquid. The steps involved in filtering do require often additional products like collagen, like egg whites. These are not commonly accepted for use in natural wines. And because they have a lack of added sulfites and they don't use intervention in many parts of the winemaking process, natural wines may have limited shelf life and they're also typically produced in smaller quantities. Now, the take-home messages here, I have a few of them when it comes to, well, should I buy organic or biodynamic or natural? Certified biodynamic wines are always organic wines, but organic wines are not necessarily biodynamic. Natural wines may be organic or biodynamic, but they may not follow all of the specified standards to qualify for the certification. Now, whether it's organic or biodynamic or natural, they may be sustainable, but they may not be. To be considered an environmentally sustainable product, they must have additional eco-friendly farming practices, right? Sustainable wastewater management, water consumption, intentional energy usage, employee health and safety, on top of all of the eco-friendly farming practices that we know and love. Now, if you're wondering, how do these wines taste? Well, a study published in Ecological Economics found that organic and biodynamic wines are judged to be of higher quality by experts. And the reason is that organic and biodynamic farming methods produce wines that are, number one, more expressive, which means they taste better, but also they're more resilient to oxidation. In other words, the healthier the farming practices, the better the quality of grapes. And of course, the better the quality of grapes, the better the wine will taste. We know that in the kitchen, right? If you start with better quality whole ingredients, 
your whatever you cook with that whole better quality ingredient is going to just taste better. It's the same with wine. Natural wines, however, do sometimes have a tart flavor. Some describe it as, quote, funky. <laughs> but this is part of the allure of natural wines. They are wild tasting, right? They are so low interventionists that they are a bit wild. They may be a bit funky. No two bottles are ever going to be the same. Now, of course, there are downsides to these organic biodynamic natural wines. Like many organic products, organic and biodynamic wines are more expensive. They are produced in smaller quantities with more painstaking practices and more natural ingredients, hence a higher price tag. Organic wines in particular, they have so many pros, but one con that's echoed in the wine community is a lack of consistency in quality. Because sulfites are not added to the wine, it's important to remember that sulfites do play an important role in keeping wine fresh. So if we're not adding sulfites to it, perhaps there's a consistency and quality issue there. And with regard to natural wines in particular, the wine can spoil more quickly, especially if the bottles have been shipped and the temperature shifted in shipping or improperly stored. And because, you know, every bottle of natural wine is different, if you buy this one brand and you love it, you could buy the same exact wine from the same exact maker, natural maker, and it could taste completely different. Those are the drawbacks. But now let's get into, this is such a long episode, by the way, if you're still with me, thank you. But now let's get into the tips and tricks. What you should you be looking for? How should you buy wine better? How can you buy wine better? Usually I give you a grading scale, A to F. But today, instead of that, I want you to get on board with having an experience, with going on a wine excursion, perhaps, okay? I want you to Google your heart out and find your local wine store. Not one of those mega stores, not a total wine, not a liquor store with a very small wine selection. No, no, no. If you have a wine store local, not a chain, owned by a human in your community, I want you to go there. If you don't have it, you know, you can't obviously do this, but if you do, I want you to go to your local wine store and I want you to talk to hopefully the owner or if the owner's not there, somebody who works there. I want you to ask for low intervention wines. Low intervention wines are the ones that we just talked about, right? They use as few added additives, added additives. <laughs> I'm getting to the end of the show. My speaking is going down the tubes, but low intervention wines have fewer additives. They don't have added sulfites. And so many of these local wine shops have collections of organic and biodynamic and natural wines. They're clearly marked. They're clearly easy to find. And as you're standing over these bottles and looking at them and you're so confused, you don't know what to buy, I want you again to ask the owner for some recommendations. I want you to try an organic wine. Maybe you just buy that one bottle, go home and try it. Next time, I want you to go back and try a biodynamic wine. Go home and enjoy it. While you're drinking, 
I want you to research the winery that you're just bought from, that you just supported. Go online and research the producer you're buying from to get a better idea of the ingredients they use and how their production impacts the environment. Do it again and again. Go back to the store. Experiment. And when you find a wine you love, know that the chances, with the exception of a natural wine, but in the organic and biodynamic wines, Uh, the chances are that all of the wines from this winery will follow similar standards. So there's a higher chance that you're going to like everything this winery creates. And keep in mind, you know, like food, something that is not labeled organic or biodynamic does not necessarily mean that they're not organic or biodynamic. Many smaller winemakers simply, they're doing everything organic or they're doing everything biodynamic, but they can't afford the certification. So ask your local wine store owner, do they carry any of those bottles? That's my number one tip for all of you today is however you buy wine, I want you to do it a little bit differently. I want you to find that mom and pop wine store near you. Now, if you don't have one of those near you, I want you to go down route two, right? I want you to look for clues as to whether your preferred bottle of wine, that winery, is trying to do right by the environment. Are they using clear glass bottles? Clear glass can be used for both white and light red wines. It's more easily recyclable, a clear glass bottle, or a green bottle for dark reds. When researching the producer's farming practices, maybe you see that they're using solar panels on their buildings or fuel-efficient tractors, for example. The weight of the bottle also is really darn important. We covered this on a recent headlines episode. A lighter bottle means less glass and less fossil fuels required to ship a really heavy bottle of wine. So the wine industry is, I shouldn't say the whole industry, some winemakers are adopting and embracing lighter wine bottles. We tend to think as consumers that the heavier the bottle, the fancier the wine, the more expensive and luxurious, but it's just not the case. Look for brands that are intentionally adopting lighter wine bottles. Look for those certifications. Again, the certified organic. The B Corporation. Let's not forget the B Corp. There are plenty of winemakers that are B Corp certified. You can go to the B Corp website and type in wine and you can see them all. And so my final word for you today is that in the minimalism world, we talk an awful lot about quality over quantity, don't we? Less, but better. Wine is the perfect product to encapsulate this tenet, isn't it? Instead of amassing countless cheap bottles of wine with grapes grown, doused in pesticides, (laughs) from an industrial-sized grower, let's slow down. Let's get intentional. Let's truly enjoy a bottle that's made with quality and care, if, of course, your budget allows. And so perhaps if you're going to that holiday party and you're bringing the host a bottle of wine, perhaps you, again, go to your local wine cellar and choose a biodynamic or an organic wine and see how it works for you. If you take my advice, I'd love to hear how it goes. You can reach out to me via the links and ways to do so in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com 
forward slash 422. A special thank you to Alicia. She helped me with the research for this episode. This is a really long episode, so I had more to say, but in efforts of respecting your time, I'm going to say that I will see you tomorrow for headlines. Reach out if you need me and take care.